Hey everyone, this is Leela Sinha. Welcome to Power Pivot, the podcast version two. This is where we talk about business, leadership, ethics, community, and the way it all fits together. I'm glad you're here. Okay, everyone, I'm probably going to piss someone off with this. This is your heads up. Ethics are a long game. When I first started coaching approximately one million years ago, I wanted to use the word pleasure. I wanted to talk about pleasure. I wanted to talk about the ways that we bring pleasure to each other, not sex, but pleasure. Pleasure, the pleasure of grass between your toes, the pleasure of warm sun on your face on a cold day, the pleasure of food when you're hungry. I had a chemistry teacher in high school who used to talk about the pleasure of getting to pee when you need to pee. Like basic, basic pleasure. And I wanted to talk about the ways in which connecting to our own pleasure makes us good leaders. I had a website. It was called The Power of Pleasure and Leadership. Well, the first problem I ran into was that I couldn't actually use the word pleasure for pretty much anything. Every time I tried to create like a Facebook group with the word pleasure in it, it got flagged for being, I don't know, racy? Because I wanted to talk about grass and bare feet. It took a long time. It took about 12 years, nah, 10 years maybe, 10 years from the inception of my business. I started noticing that a lot of people were talking about pleasure, that a lot of people were talking about a lot of things that I had tried to talk about and found that nobody wanted to help me talk about them. In fact, when I first started my business, I consulted some marketing experts because marketing wasn't a thing I knew anything about. And they all told me that I had to get the word pleasure out of there because it was too scary. It was too hard for people to handle that they wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't be able to talk to their friends about me. It was going to make it impossible for my business to grow. Maybe I should have known better, but I was struggling. So I took their advice and redirected and refocused and re-everythinged. But pleasure has never gotten out of the root of what I do. And so now when I see businesses cropping up that are about pleasure in leadership or pleasure in business, I think, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I guess I was just a little ahead of the game. I still talk about pleasure. I mean, that's really what intensives and expansives, the whole framework, that's what that's about, is about being able to create a workplace where you feel good about being at work, where you aren't miserable being at work, where you're excited to be at work. I mean, come on, right? And that seems like it should be obvious. And in this year, 2022, third year of the pandemic, it it, it seems a lot more obvious than it was back then. But sometimes it's a long game. Sometimes you have an idea and it's too early for it. Sometimes you have an idea and you have to wait for enough other people to have the idea at the same time. Sometimes you have an idea and you have to wait for a less marginalized person to have that idea out loud first. Yeah, when first to market is not an advantage um, because of who you are or how you show up, that's, that's tricky. But I'm off topic because what I want to talk about today is the way that we have to think about ethics as a long process. We can't just think about what's ethical in this moment, although that's important. We also have to think about the long impact, the long-term impact, the long-reach impact. So imagine the impact, the ripples that go out from the stone, not just the first two ripples, but all of the ripples that go out from the stone into the pond and then from the pond to the shore and from the surface of the water down, and the impact of that stone landing in the water. 
and traveling through the water and ending up on the soft, muddy bottom of the pond. You know, with the kind of mud that squishes between your toes. But to have that kind of relationship with the rock and the pond and the ripples and the mud, you have to have spent time with the pond. You have to know the pond. You have to walk across the pond when it's frozen or dangle your toes in it when it's warm and still in the middle of summer when nothing seems to be moving, but it's a little relief from the heat. You have to know what that mud feels like between your toes or know that you don't want to know what that mud feels like between your toes. You have to, you have to know that there's that one fish that swims through the middle, but never quite close enough for you to tell what it is. And then there are like at least two frogs that grow and live along the edge of the pond, but you've never seen them. You've just heard them on a summer night walking home, slapping mosquitoes. You got to know the ecosystem of the pond. And so when I see people in my neighborhood, I live in the Bay Area, and every week it seems like somebody else is gut rehabbing a house. And by gut rehab, what I mean is that they take everything, all of the woodwork, all of the walls, sometimes even the floors out of the house. They rip everything out of the house. And then they put in new, usually less well-constructed, I've never seen one constructed better, less well-constructed, walls, moldings, everything. They rearrange the arrangement of rooms. They change the heights and shapes and designs of the ceilings. Everything is different. And then they put it on the market for a few hundred thousand dollars more than it was when they bought it. Because that's the whole point. They're they're trying to make a profit. They're flipping the house. This is not a rehab so we can live in it situation. This is a rehab so someone else can live in it situation. And it's a nightmare. I worked briefly in a fine woodworking shop, and I can tell you the construction they're doing in there is no good. They're cutting corners. They're cutting costs. They're doing everything they can to improve their profit margin and get in and out of there as fast as they can because the way these projects work is they get these short-term, what are called hard money loans, where they can get the money on a very high interest rate to buy the house cash and rehab it. But they have to sell the house before that loan comes due because once it starts coming due, the payments are astronomical and it will sink them almost immediately. So they're under a lot of pressure to meet their, their deadlines. And there's so much wrong with it. First of all, the houses they're doing this to were mostly built in my neighborhood. They were mostly built in the 1910s. They're arts and crafts houses. This means that they have solid plaster walls, beautiful moldings, high ceilings, and not just any kind of high ceiling, but often coved ceilings. They have all kinds of interesting ventilation and cooling built into them. And let me tell you why this matters, because A well-built, solid, old building is way easier to heat and cool than a modern building. Not because the insulation is better. Often that's the thing that really ought to be improved, is the insulation. But because the shapes and designs and airflow are all built without additional heating and cooling in mind or with very little. So you have things like transom windows, clerestory windows, 
Coved ceilings are actually less echoey than flat ones. The most echoey room in my house is my office. This building was built and rehabbed in the 1910s and 1920s. And my office is the only room that has a flat ceiling. It's also the worst echo. There are all kinds of reasons. All kinds of thought, all kinds of craft that went into these buildings. And when we rip it out, of course, if it's destroyed, it's destroyed. If it's rotted, it's rotted. But when we rip it out, when it's perfectly good, we're disrespecting, we're disregarding all of that careful craft and thought and handwork that went into it. We do not know better, and especially most of these flippers do not know better. It's not like somebody is coming in having deeply considered what the best alternatives to those old systems are. They're just tearing out the old systems and replacing them with brute force. And brute force is pretty much never the right way to do something. Pretty much never. (laughs) Unless someone's dying, which no one's dying. These houses don't need to be gut rehabbed at all. They don't need to be gut rehabbed. They probably need some paint. They probably need some plaster fixing. Maybe they need a new piece of woodwork here or there. After a while, things here tend to get dry rot. But you're never going to get that quality of work back in a house unless you're a multimillionaire and you have all the time in the world. You could have that quality of work if you simply didn't destroy it. And the dumpsters that they fill with materials. There are other options. There are other ways to do things that don't involve so much destruction. There are small upgrades, yes, that are useful and important, like insulated windows. But the insulated windows can look like the old windows, or you can insulate the old windows in some cases. It depends what you're dealing with. It doesn't It doesn't need to be like that. But the problem is that these folks are not thinking about long-term ethics. They're not playing the long ethics game. They're playing the short profit game, and that's a different game. It is, in fact, a game and not a way of life. I would say that ethics, I said ethics are a long game, but what I really meant was ethics are a way of life. Ethics are a thing that we do all the time through everything, And we should not be, we should not be gutting old construction for no reason. And your profit motive is not any reason. Also, you're pricing people out. And for why? Leave that house on the market for someone else. Pick a business that doesn't make people homeless. Ethics are a long game. And flipping houses is not it. This has been Power Pivot, the podcast. I'm your host, Leela Sinha. Thank you for listening. I offer gratitude for the earth and sky and the support and care of many who cross my path. Our post-production assistance is provided by William Jameson, and you can find him at jamesonav.net. You can find more of me and my work, including leadership consulting and keynotes, at intensiveinstitute.com.